Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen. We are once again live down here at the Barricade Studios for another episode of the Sports Frenzy Podcast Sold Out with your host, myself, Freddy Rosso. We've got Stevie G. Let's go! Welcome, gentlemen. Gentlemen. We've got a full schedule here of things we want to touch on. First, let's let's jump into Brock Lesnar showing up at UFC 226 at the end of the heavyweight title fight after DC. Daniel Cormier wins the title, and he proceeds to cut a WWE promo in the ring. Great one. Yeah, first time hearing Brock speak for himself. And, like, he didn't even need Heyman, and he did amazing. Like, if it wasn't TVBG and uh, WWE, it could have been a great promo for Terry. Like, seriously, I'd be very impressed. More impressed than anything that I've seen on Raw or SmackDown lately, for sure. He, he cuts better promos in UFC than he does WWE. Uh, my, my, my wife, who is not a big UFC or WWE fan, still remembers his Coors Light promo. Because Bud Light don't pay him nothing. And he may even get on top of his wife tonight. Woo! That was a classic promo from Brock. So now, you were in attendance for this. Yes, I was. Was the crowd hot for this when he came out? He was. He was actually... I don't know how many people realized he was there. um, Because he came out... He actually came out before the the two combatants came out. He was... He came right in, sat right next to Dana. I don't know if they showed that on the broadcast... I don't know if the first time they showed him was when he was actually walking into the cage after Cormier called him out, but he was there for the entire main event. And he was, for those of you that didn't see, he was perfectly right to rip on uh, Francis Nagano and Derek Lewis. The I don't, I'll talk more about it during the UFC podcast on what the crowd reaction was. I mean, did anyone else get kind of a feel that it was a little scripted? Um, the way he just got called into the ring, naturally went in there. Dropped a little mofos in there and, uh, you know, did his thing. And he looked freaking amazing doing it. I'm not going to lie. But uh, definitely seemed like the way WWE should be scripted. I'm, I'm, I'm hating on WWE this whole podcast, just to let you all know. I feel like it was 150% scripted. Yeah. DC was in on it. Dana White was in on it. I don't know if you guys caught it, but one of DC's corner guys tried to push Brock. After he pushed DC and Dana White kind of like ran up to him and pulled him aside, like kind of like letting him know it's a work. Yeah, like back up. Yeah. I mean, I bet you even Sable was in on it. You know, like maybe. But here's the here's the only thing. Yeah, I think Cormier Cormier knows what he's doing. Um, so I don't know how scripted it was per se. Um, you still need a Cormier to upset Steve Miocic. The UFC should, I'm sure, is very happy that Cormier won the belt because Stipe versus Brock, which might be a good fight, would not sell the same amount of tickets. Stipe is not a hype machine the way Cormier is. Cormier knows what he's doing. Cormier knows how to speak for himself. He's got plenty of experience doing it. So it was like the perfect storm. As far as Brock, yeah, Brock did a great job. Um, There's some legitimacy of him getting a title shot that I'll discuss during the UFC podcast. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people that might feel the same way. Uh, The only... The only thing as far as Brock's look that night is, and Cormier apparently cracked a joke about it, 
what the hell was up with wearing the three-piece suit and tucking your pants into your cowboy boots? Listen, he was trying to make a fashion statement. I mean, we don't always agree with what fashion state, what's out there in the fashion world, you know? Yeah, well, you know what? He can dress any way he wants. I'm not telling him he looks stupid. We've all seen LeBron's shorts. Yeah, shorts. LeBron. Another crackhead. So, if Brock, well, he's already entered the USDA testing, so that means... January, right? January for a UFC fight. Rumors going around is his last WWE fight is probably going to be SummerSlam. Goodbye, buddy. Yeah. I'm going to say good riddance. Adios. Thanks for nothing. Thanks for ruining the legacy of that belt. Okay. Thank you for taking the rules of WWE and completely throwing them out the window, which they have in the past already, but there was that 30-day rule where he had to defend it within 30 days to keep the belt. And they deleted that rule a long time ago, but that was a rule that worked. It made it under, uh, it made it entertaining. It showed that the champion actually worked for his fucking belt. Um, Brock Lesnar has, um, basically what, had maybe six title defenses, had the belt over a year, and basically, um, sat home and jerked off to his wife in between. Um, I, that's not a champion to me. If anything, he's a joke. Um, we brought it up last time. The comparison between him and a real champion like CM Punk. Who's doing Bruce Pictures uh, podcast, I heard, yeah. on the WWE Network, yeah. the season finale, which that I am interested in. I mean, I don't know if they're going to script it or do whatever, but I am interested in seeing that one. But anyways, people who have compared CM Punk to Brock Lesnar, I know Brock Lesnar's a big guy. He's successful in uh, more than one platform, you know, MMA, you know, UFC, WWE. But at the end of the day, when it comes to WWE – I'm going to back Punk. Brock Lesnar, you don't compare. Okay, I know you're a big guy and you got this little like scary look to you, but Punk did a lot more than you did and gave a lot more time and a lot more of his like, you know, his body, his blood. He put a lot more into this sport than Brock Lesnar ever did. Okay, so Brock Lesnar, I think you're an insult to that universal title for the last year and however many months you've been holding it. Um, it's disgusting personally, but that's my first rant of the evening. On to you. Hold on. Now, I, I want to just throw this out there. What are your guys' thoughts now if you, you Brock drops the title at SummerSlam? What if you completely switch the title? Bring in a new title, a new design, bring back the winged design, you know, something similar. And say because Brock Lesnar shit on the Universal yes. one? <laughs> so, you know, the Universal title stood for this, and... It wasn't defended, and now we're bringing back the old school, set the rules up again. I think that would be great. I know they're not going to do that, unfortunately, because that could be something that we all want to see. And they may, you know, at WWE, Mr. Vince McMahon may think that's not a great idea. But that's something I would be down for, and I'm sure many people would. I think it would be a great idea to reset the title. Correct. And give it meaning again. A fresh start with meaning. Set the rules. Sit out there. Instead of cutting these little, like, gay promos that you put out there sometime, which I'm going to say it now, out of Raw this week, the only thing I enjoyed was that opening segment of Roman Reigns. You heard it here first. I did enjoy that. But there's some other promos they start the openings with, and you're just sitting there like, what the fuck are we watching, okay? Um, No. Come out. 
Triple H or Vince McMahon, whoever, Stephanie McMahon, hell, bring back Mick Foley. Put meaning back into a title. That would be awesome. I don't see it happening, but I would love every second of it. It would be the promo of the year. What if you bring, in my mind, fantasy booking, bring back Hulk. Bring back this one. You're saying Hulk? I was thinking when you started to say that, maybe even Bret Hart. You know? Bring, bring back one of the classics. Bring back one of the classics with the with a wing belt, a new designed wing belt. Give it meaning again. Set up a tournament. Even if you, you have guys in that tournament like we spoke of a couple weeks ago on the last podcast. And then, you know, whatever. If you want to have uh, Braun cash in then, whatever. But give the belt meaning again and set up a new, fresh start to it. we got to give the encyclopedia a chance to talk. He's itching over there. I'm, I'm sorry, encyclopedia. Just Let's go! Here's my concern now, and this is on the WWE side. First off, WWE loves the fact that Brock's the champion because he's a legitimate athlete, the only legitimate athlete they have on the roster. I agree that he doesn't defend the title enough, and they need to bring him out more to defend that title. I'm legitimately concerned that Brock is not going to lose the title at SummerSlam so that they could say, hey, look at this. Our universal champion is challenging for the UFC heavyweight title. And then if he wins the UFC heavyweight title, WWE has the bragging right to say, hey, look, this guy conquered UFC and he's our champion. I would not put that past them now to do that. As far as the contract status, as far as them not parading him out here, and as far as Brock disgracing the title... It's not Brock disgracing the title. It's Vince McMahon and the WWE disgracing the title. Brock never gave two, two craps about the fans or what they think or the title. He's just worried about getting the zeros on his check. Probably at least seven figures worth, or six or seven figures worth for all we know. That's all Brock cares about. I just think Brock has crapped over the entire company. Vince has let him do it. Triple H has let him do it. And there's there's no legitimacy to the title. So wait, real quick, precisely, you're mm. stating that Triple H and Vince McMahon have been bent over for the last two or three years, basically. and Brock's just been ramming them from behind. Yeah, basically, I taking mean, a paycheck. Bottom line, yeah. Showing up when he wants, and just doing whatever the hell he wants anyways. I mean, I, I got to say, in my opinion, when Roman brought all that up in the promos because they couldn't have Brock Lesnar give up all his dates, I was enjoying that. I was like, good, Roman's really calling him out for shit. Even though, yes, I'm sure it was acted out, and they gave permissions to go somewhat far, but not too far, right. you know, because they learned from that. Because when, let's go back to Punk, he dropped the pipe bomb, they said, here's the mic, do what you want. And then when he went too far and brought up the bullying campaign, ooh, the mic was dropped and it was cut real fucking quick. They learned from that. Don't kid yourself. They knew, they that was all scripted out. They knew exactly what he was going to say and when they were going to cut it off. Where'd you hear that? I don't remember, but I think it, I thought it was on Punk's podcast with Cole Cabana. That it was like a signal when they were going to turn him off. All right, so now it doesn't matter. Let, let's jump into some of the some of the happenings over the weekend. We had the New Japan All In. Yes. From San Francisco, I believe. So we touched on JR first? 
Yeah, let, let, let's talk about that little bump that broke JR's rib. Good old JR broke his rib on a during the match with I believe it was Osprey. He suplexed his guy into the barricade, which then the barricade pushed into Josh Barnett and good old JR and busted his JR rib. like was, flew back too. Yeah. Was that was that I thought it was a drop kick. Well, anyway. Whatever it was, JR got launched nope. back. And then that, uh, what was the guy's name? Josh Barnett. Josh Barnett was like, now you fucking did it, or whatever the hell he said. I forget what he did. Yeah. But it, like, that was saying, like, oh, my God, this is so heartfelt. No, no, that sounded real. He was pissed. Yeah. And I don't know if the whole getting in the ring thing, I don't think that was a work personally. I mean, I think they had to figure out what to do, and they just went with it. And, like, you know, his initial reaction I thought was great. Like, I sat there. I watched that one scene over and over again a couple times because I'm, like, seeing him. I'm, like, oh, shit, he's pissed. Yeah, he was ready to beat his ass. Now, do you think that's just a product of New Japan style, the way they disregard the fans? They do disregard the fans because if you even look – even when we the next match we touch upon, mm-hmm. um, those barricades, I forgot where I read it. Someone commented on it, but they didn't even have the barricades hooked correctly. Okay? Mm-hmm. Those barricades were not, like, you know, hooked, like, you know, so they would stay still or whatever. Like, they weren't connected, if you will. Um, so why would you not connect these barricades? Because it's not just that corner spot. There's other spots at ringside. If you watch... They weren't connected, and someone commented it on some website, I believe, that I read, and I'm just like seeing them. Like, You're absolutely right because I saw that they weren't connected. And I was just like, all right, was this a setup or no? Like, you never know, though. Yeah, I, I did. It may have been a spot to go to, but the whole Jr. getting getting hurt, I think that was definitely not planned at all. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a slobanaka. Yeah, I don't think it was planned either. I think it was just a matter of bad timing, wrong place, wrong time. Uh, you brought up the point with New Japan and their style with the not caring about the fans. I think that's their way of trying to bring that realistic approach to a fight to their to their shows because in a and real fight... And it does work at times. Yeah, I mean, in a real fight, is someone going to stop beating the crap out of their opponent because the fan happens to be too close? Now, this then leads us into our next match, the Kenny Omega and... Cody Rhodes match. One of those matches that should be thrown up there with like Jericho and Omega and a bunch of other matches produced and, you know, done by New Japan as match of the year, in my opinion, because I'm telling you right now, I cannot think one match this year that WWE could throw against these matches, honestly. I mean, you could sit there and say Seth Rollins did his like one hour and five minute, uh, you know, what was what was that match? The uh, gauntlet match. Right. Okay. That was cool, and I enjoyed it. I did. But it still doesn't compare to this match. Right. doesn't compare to Omega uh, Jericho. doesn't compare to other matches this year in New Japan that I've glanced at. You know, like, they're, they, they, they know how to put on a good fight. Now, is that a product of New Japan, or is it the wrestlers themselves? 
I think it's a little of both because New Japan does let them do a little more than WWE does because WWE is 110% all about their TV PG and being scripted and doing things their way. That when some of their wrestlers go a little outside the script, it's a huge fucking deal to do that in WWE where New Japan, like, you're more open to the creativity of the superstars themselves. So, yes, I think that's a little of both uh, that allows that to happen. Now... Anthony, the encyclopedia, was making a face when we started talking about it. What's your opinion on it? I didn't hate the match. I'm not a fan of the New Japan style. I felt that the reason why the match went 40 minutes is because there was a lot of rest stops in between. Uh, It was supposed to be a straight-up title match, yet they were bringing out the ladders. They were bringing out the chairs. Uh, Omega hit a double stomp on the table within the first 15 minutes of the match. I feel like that's... That double stomp, for example, should have happened later in the match. It should have been building up to some of those big moments. I also don't understand why the ladder and chair were legally allowed to be in this match. It almost felt like... Because Red Shoes allowed it. Okay, well, good for Red Shoes, but that's screamed ECW to me, ECW style. And that's fine. There's an audience for that. But for all the praise they're getting, there there was so much time that they wasted just resting, and I think they could have easily done that match in about a half hour and still hit all those spots. I just felt like they need to build up to those climactic moments instead of sprinkling them in randomly and the guy still magically kicks out. Uh, that that's, that powerbomb out of the ring where Cody hit the edge of the table, uh, that, that was, was un- rough. That was unbelievable. Um, I thought it was a little careless. I don't. I think Kenny and Cody, and this is a testament to them, I think they could have a, as good a match as they did without those weapons thrown in, and that's just my opinion. The other thing is the New Japan, and this isn't just New Japan. Um, we see this with the Indies. We even see traces of it in the WWE. Uh, I can't speak specifically for finishers, but it seems like moves that should be finishing guys off are now not as important. They're not as meaningful as they used to be. When you have all these three, four, five-star level matches happening so frequently, I feel like it dilutes the product overall. But how often are you seeing that happen? Because this is like, in WWE, when are you seeing a match like that happen? We've There's been quite a, number, uh, quite a few matches over the last couple of years that I think have hit that three-and-a-half, four-star level easily. Maybe not as good as New Japan, but even with New Japan, Omega's really had three four-star greater matches this year when you this year alone yeah when you're doing it all the time it's i don't know i think it's overdone i think it's happening way too often i think they do need to reel it in a little bit and say okay this match we're only going to give you 20 minutes uh you know have do what you can have some fun but i don't think they all need to be these 40 minute one hour four to five star rated david david melser jerking off to classics that's just my opinion. I I get bored of it. Yeah, no, a it's your opinion. I respect that. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, if you sit there, though, and if you could think back, and Freddie, you too, if you could think back this year, 2018, what WWE match even comes close to that match? I can't think of one that comes to mind because I've sat there debating it. And you're talking, Anthony watched the match a little while ago. Freddie and I, we know we both watched it twice. Um, you know, and that's how good of a match it was. Right. What WWE match in the last what it, what are we seven months into the year? Yeah, seven months and compares to this match. None. What match in the last year compares to it? I can't throw any out there. I mean if you guys could go for it, I'll debate it. Yeah, I don't I don't have one off the top of my head that challenges this this one. 
I just want to touch on the point of of your your guys's talking about putting on a five star match. I don't usually endorse other podcasts on here, but I did listen to I mentioned it to both of you guys the Edge and Christian anatomy of a match with Stone Cold and Bret Hart. They break down their WrestleMania 13 match, and the way they break it down, and they talk about each spot, and they talk about the mentality. In a match, it touches on your point where, you know, you don't need all these weapons. You don't need all these high spots. It's just playing off the crowd and playing off of each other and how the mentality of it affects it. It's a great listen. You guys got an hour and hour and a half to listen to this podcast. It's phenomenal. I, I just think WWE needs more old school guys like that to bring in to help with help these new guys be less scripted and go more on instinct. They're, they're yeah, they're completely scripted. They don't they don't know how to think for themselves. Um, does the word um what is it millennials comes to mind or <laughs> whatever all these crazy debates are? I mean personally. You have superstars that have potential who could put on matches like Omega and Rhodes or any Omega match or even Rhodes because I've watched Rhodes matches even with uh, Ring of Honor and he puts on great matches always. Young Bucks, another great tag team. There are guys in WWE who could potentially do that, but WWE doesn't let them do that. I mean, I've said it. I think I said it earlier. And I've said it before. Seth Rollins, there's one right there. I mean – I'm not chiming into Extreme Rules just yet. I mean, we're going to get into that. But you have an opportunity this weekend with Extreme Rules, okay? I'm not into every match. I'll be straightforward, and we're going to cover that in a little bit. But Seth Rollins or Stealth Ziggler, there's opportunity there. And I'm sure WWE is going to blow it. Okay, they got 30 minutes. It's an Iron Man match. Um, they could do great things with those two, okay? Those two are two people that come to mind when it comes to um, comparing to a match like Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega. If they let them do their thing, they both could have a great match. But WWE's going to have their limits and have them do things their way. That's the only match I'm realistically fully looking forward to with Extreme Rules. Um, I'll still watch it, I'm sure. Um, but they, Vince, you need to do something. I mean, you if you guys ever consider signing Kenny Omega or Cody Rhodes back, or the Young Bucks, watch their shit now. Watch their New Japan Pro Wrestling. Watch their Ring of Honor crap. And don't let um, put them in the shitter when they join WWE. You have opportunity with these guys. You've blown opportunities for people like Gallows and Anderson. We've talked about that already. Even AJ Styles. AJ Styles is great. He does his thing, and he's holding the SmackDown, uh, holding SmackDown like down, basically. Like, he's doing his thing with that. But at the end of the day, you're not using all this potential. I know he's older, and I get that. But still, not using all the potential AJ Styles could bring. I watched him do something. You know, I've seen him live in a ring. He could do a lot more than they let him do as well. Shinsuke Nakamura, look at him. Another guy. When his contract is up, he's debating leaving and going back to New Japan Pro Wrestling. And uh, that'll be another guy. There's rumors Finn Balor's even been considering. You're going to lose all these top-notch guys because you've either taken on too much, you don't know how to handle them all, or you just don't know how to handle the talent you basically have. So Vince, he has set the fucking game. Um, and 
get some good matches out there and get some good storylines out there. Maybe it's time to step down. Um, in all honesty. And a lot of people have been saying that for a while. But the guy's a pompous asshole. He doesn't get that. I wish you'd hear my words. And I wish you'd call me out so I could say it to his face. Because you don't have it. You have it in a while. Put the headset down. Okay, going back to your original point, you were asking about matches this year WWE put out that were on that level. And on the main roster, I mean, you had the Angle, Rousey versus Triple H, Stephanie match. You had Charlotte Flair and Oscar, which everyone was raving about after WrestleMania. The matches that stand out to me that could compare to what New Japan is doing are is being done at NXT, which Vince doesn't have his hands on. Jardy Gargano... Tommaso Ciampa have torn the house down on both their takeover matches. Johnny Gargano tore the house down with Andrea Cianamas. But you know damn well if he comes up to the main roster, they will never give him that opportunity. It comes down to Vince. Vince doesn't appreciate that style. He tries to limit what guys can do and maybe the problem. And these guys right now are complacent with it. As Steven said, maybe it's the millennial approach. They're, oh, look at me. I'm working for WWE. I'll do whatever they say. This is my dream. None of them are going outside of the box and defending themselves. I think Kevin Owens might be one of the few that I don't feel that he's being given a specific script. He's given being given talking points. And even when the storyline absolutely fucking sucks, he turns chicken shit and makes chicken salad out of it. Uh, so, so you, but you're saying that Vince McMahon is not Manning NXT. Name the man who's man, uh, Manning NXT. Say it. Triple H. Correct, and that's who needs to take over the other two shows. I because I'm NXT wanna... is entertaining. I haven't watched it as much. I'm going to be straightforward. But when I was watching it all the time, a lot more entertaining than Raw or SmackDown. I mean, I told you both earlier. I watched most of Raw, but I was mostly on my phone, as I am often. But SmackDown, I turned it on. I fell asleep within five minutes. I didn't watch it. Right. I didn't try to watch it, honestly, after that. And, Smack, and SmackDown's the better of the two shows. But, uh, yeah, it does have its it does have a points where it, lull, it definitely lulls. If you go back, me personally, if we go back and see – talk about the shows i've been to live the last couple of years i've been to a wwe house show at msg once or twice uh the raw 25 with steven and everything else has been nxt takeovers or nxt house shows i don't even go out of my way to go to try for raw or smackdown and even the pay-per-views unless it's one of the big four i don't make any attempt they just had extreme rules in newark I made no attempt to even get a ticket until the day of when I was just curious to see how much the tickets cost, and I was glad I didn't pull the trigger on it. There's a reason why the hardcore fans are not in love with the product anymore, and it really comes back to Vince. But it's not going to change until he steps down. I don't see that happening. All this talk about, oh, the XFL, the XFL, he's going to step down and run the FXFL. No, he's not. The WWE is always going to be his baby. He's never going to let that go. I agree with you. Yeah, you're you're right. So now let, let's touch on let's touch on another aspect of that Rhodes Omega match before we jump into Extreme Rules here, and we'll kind of go through that card quickly. But um, the big twist at the end, which I feel we haven't seen something like that since the Attitude Era, since NWO Black and White. NWO Wolfpack, you had Tamatanga, Haku, and Tamaloa basically jump 
the rest of the Bullet Club with their father, Haku, which for me, you know how I'm big on the Samoans. This was right up my alley. Seeing this gave me goosebumps, brought me back to the Attitude Era, and I was all for it. Even the old school pile driver spot on the chair with Haku, loved it. I don't know about you guys. I felt like that's something that WWE has needed for years. And we're seeing it in New Japan. Freddie, I hate to rain on your parade. You do realize Haku and the Sons are actually Tongan. Well, whatever. <laughs> They're islands. Doesn't away. matter. The heritage is close. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're all a part of that family tree. It's something about the, the water in the South Pacific. Yes, exactly. I just feel like it was it was a great angle. It was unexpected. It was a breath of fresh air to segue into a new feud for Omega and Rhodes instead of fighting each other. It gives dissension between the ranks of the Bullet Club. I don't know if you guys caught the line of them talking about there's no leader here. This is all, we're all Bullet Club. Something to that extent. And then continuing to beat the crap out of everybody else. What are your thoughts on that, Stevie G? Um, I thought that attack at the end was awesome. I thought it was great how they kept having wrestlers come out and try and save Omega and the Young Bucks, you know, all, all, all members of the Bullet Club. Um, I thought it was great how they kept having them come out and, you know, Haku and his kids basically are their asses they're not like you know they, they were unstoppable and they looked unstoppable and they did it in right. a fashion that it was actually like threatening oh my god these guys actually have it like they're the, the you have like what was it like young bucks you had kenny omega you had cody rhodes who else came out there's a couple more like two or three more the villain what's his name yep yep he came yeah. out mighty, mighty scroll correct yep. you had about like seven guys come out at least maybe eight and these three just like leveled them all. It was like, yeah, you, you you got the numbers, but we still fucked you up. Which that's cool to see once in a while. Now I don't want to toot my own horn, but I did call this not too many weeks ago on the podcast of somebody to look out for coming up. That somebody's WWE should sign in Tamatanga. Mm-hmm. You did. Do you want them to ruin Tamatanga too now? I don't want them to ruin him. I'm just glad to finally see him getting his push in New Japan and not being like uh, like a background singer, basically. Yeah, I I mean, there's been talk about, I know you've mentioned Tamatanga, I'm probably saying that wrong. Uh, Kenny Omega is another one. I don't want to see them come to WWE, not because I don't want to see them in a WWE ring. I don't want them to be ruined. I think people get all excited when these guys show up at NXT or show up on the main roster. And then when they don't main event, there's disappointment. Um, we got Bobby Roode, who's really been, to me, he's they, he's been no higher than mid-card. A lot of people were disappointed about that. Uh, Finn Balor got his quick push when he first hit the main roster, and then he's kind of been upper mid-card ever since. Uh, Kevin Owens is another one. He got a little bit of a push uh, when Finn Balor got injured, lost the title to Goldberg, hasn't been close to that main event picture outside of the feud with Shane McMahon ever since, and they didn't even capitalize on that. It's, 
I think in unfortunately we can't shouldn't see all of them in WWE and in some cases it's because they're getting utilized better outside of it. Right. It's true. It's true. I just wish there was a product comparable other than New Japan, a different avenue for these guys to get more notoriety in the states like a WCW was back in the day before, you know, it kind of went to shit. And I feel that I feel that's where NXT comes in. The problem with NXT, though, is it's treated as a developmental territory. So when these guys get up to that main event level or that upper mid card level in NXT, it's only a matter of time before they're probably going to get called up. I kind I kind of wish NXT would retain some of these guys. Uh, Jardy Gargano is a prime example, and I've said this before. Johnny Gargano put has put on four or five star level matches. Uh, he's not the most charismatic guy out there, but the fans love him in NXT, and they let him they let him loose. They let him do his thing. I don't see that happening in WWE. I see him getting thrown if he gets moved up. He's going to be on 205 Live and quickly forgotten. And I don't want to see that for him, and I don't want to see that for a lot of the guys. Uh, the only guy down in NXT right now who I think they would be able to put on the main roster and he would have the mystique that would get him over would be an Aleister Black. Uh, he could, not quite an Undertaker level, or but maybe a Bray Wyatt level kind of mystique to him. But he's really the only one. Um, Tommaso Ciampa, I could see him becoming a upper mid-card heel on the main roster. Uh, the, the guy's been unbelievable in NXT. Uh, I love hating him. I could see him on the main roster, but because of his size, I don't see them taking him seriously enough. Even now, with what we have on the current roster, where you have the Bailey Sasha Banks feud, which they're still finding ways to screw up. Yeah. Like the whole, oh, you guys need to go to counseling. Your jobs are on the line. Really? So when there's a problem with everybody else, they could go fuck each other up in the ring. As Kurt Angle says, we settle it in the ring, but not if you're Sasha and Bailey. It doesn't make any damn sense. There's no consistency. And they've tied them down so much and kept them to their scripts. They're just not getting over the same way. That organic feel is not there. I, I don't know. I, I think we're beating our heads against the wall here. I don't think it's ever going to change while Vince is in control. And... I, another, uh, really a competitive podcast brought this up too. Vince is, Vince is coming across the senile. Uh, this, I mentioned a few weeks ago, the Super Showdown. Oh, it's going to be the end of an era. Triple H versus Undertaker. Then what the fuck was WrestleMania 28? It's true. I, I don't, I don't know why they keep forcing stuff down our throat. We don't get anything fresh. We don't get anything new. It's the same regurgitated crap over and over again. I'm surprised we haven't gotten a doink back. I'm surprised we haven't gotten a Duke to Dumpster Drossy back. Like, it's just how how much can you tap into the early 90s WWE without giving us the Attitude Era or giving us something comparable to that to bring back like you were saying, an organic feel to the product to bring the fans back instead of you know, we we all got drawn in as kids to Hulk and Macho and Warrior, stuff like that. But we're not getting anything even close to that right now. We're getting recycled gimmicks. We're getting recycled storylines that it's just how much before 
we just wind up fully turning it off. I mean, we talk about this with movies sometimes, that they're just redoing the whole story over and over again. But the real good ones, if they're rehashing a story, they're finding a new way to tell that story. And I think that's that would be another solution. But which is a prime which is a prime example in New Japan with the Bullet Club. Yeah. It's NWO and now you're breaking it off into NWO like Stevie G said, NWO black and white. That was or no, sorry, the encyclopedia said. You got NWO black and white and you got the wolf pack. It's the same concept but just thrown together differently and it's fresh. NXT is another one that they must give them their bullet points and they let them go. Uh, WWE's yeah. just become too damn scripted. If Vince wants to write scripts, go try to save your WWE studios. Stop wasting our time on the wrestling show. That's true. All right, so now, now that we've had about 30 minutes or so of fresh stuff and us debating this, let's jump into a quick rundown of Extreme Rules. Yeah. I know Stevie G's not too fond of Extreme Rules. I believe you've got one match that you're really interested in, and the rest is basically a throwaway. I'm kind of in the same boat on that one, so let, let's run through here. Let's run through here quick. Let's give our thoughts and quick predictions on this. All right, so... The Iron Man match, 30 minutes, Dolph Ziggler with McIntyre versus Seth Rollins. What are your thoughts on that one, Stevie G? Ziggler for the win. <laughs> wow, that's it? That's some deep insight there. Ziggler for the win. Um, hopefully they have a good match, but you never know because Vince is manning the show. So Ziggler for the win. I'm just going to go with that. I'm with you on that. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with Ziggler. I, I think they've got bigger plans for Rollins. Um, yeah, that's it, it's gonna be probably match of the night. I can't really see anything else on this card comparing to it, so I'm just gonna go with uh, Ziggler for the win with some help from McIntyre. We've had some classic 30-minute Iron Man matches, even though most people remember the one-hour ones. Uh, in WWE alone, we've had Benoit versus Angle. We've had uh, Angle with Shawn Michaels on Raw. Uh, and, uh, the Bailey sasha Banks at NXT TakeOver Respect. So even though we're accustomed to the one-hour versions, the 31s can't tear the house down. Just in the build to this one, the fact that Drew McIntyre defeated Seth with some interference, mind you, so he will be ringside. I thought that was an interesting twist because every time they've done that storyline, they the hero prevails and somebody's banned from ringside and they're not doing that here. As far as the match itself, I agree with you both. I don't see them putting the belt on Dolph and throwing it back onto Seth unless they've soured on the idea of Seth becoming a world title contender, uh, which is rumored that he's not getting the shot at SummerSlam. Uh, Dolph, Ziggler, Dolph Ziggler definitely with the for the win. Um, I think to save face for Seth, you're going to have to do it where Drew somehow costs Seth the deciding pinfall. I agree with you on that. So, how, 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 how great would it be? Here, here, let me throw this one out. How great right. would it be to have this classic going on? Let's say 28 minutes in, it's tied up. And Drew gets in the ring and actually nails Dolph. So Dolph gets a disqualification win to win the match. 
not because he's turning on him, just to outsmart Seth and keep the belt on Dolph. Then Seth keeps his keeps his or Seth saves face, and Dolph keeps his heat even more so. That's a way to do it. I'm not opposed to the idea. I feel like that's it's something different and would give more heat to to Ziggler. Uh, New Day and Sanity tables match on the kickoff. Prediction? I'm going to predict uh, Sanity. I think New Day's time as a as a three-man team has long been overdue to end. I think Sanity needs this win more, uh, especially Eric Young having taken a pinfall on Jeff Hardy during the tag match on SmackDown last night. I think it's... I, I, Sanity's the... Like I said, Sanity's the new one. New Day doesn't need this win. New Day should stay as a faction, but have them go singles. I'm going to go Sanity on this one, Stevie G. Sanity. All right, we'll jump into the next one. The the, uh, the level of expertise being bestowed upon us by the great Stevie G tonight. Amazing. I, I have a tear in my eye. All right. Jerry got the best of me with the New Japan stuff. <laughs> Steven's good for one or two good rants a show. He, we already got that out of his system. Yeah. All right. Uh, Finn Balor versus the Constable. Versus who? Baron Corbin. Oh. <laughs> exactly. Finn Balor. Absolutely Finn Balor. <laughs> like, this is another, like, throwaway match. I don't I don't care. It's, uh, you know, Finn Balor's always impressive to watch, but... Baron Corbin, another guy they had possible potential with that they ruined. Congrats, guys. I'm going to go Finn Balor on this one. Psychopedia? Yeah, uh, I think I think we're all in agreement. Finn Balor all the way on this one. I, it's kind of a slap in the face to him that he's facing the TGIF bartender. <laughs> all right, and then we've got Jeff Hardy versus Sinsuke Nakamura for the United States Championship. I'm going to go with Nakamura on this one. I feel like uh, they're going to move on from Jeff and give it to to Shinsuke. Cyclopedia? I'm going to agree with you. I know there's been rumors from David fucking Melser that there is that there is not going to be any title changes at Extreme Rules. I'm calling bullshit on that. I think the way things went with him turning heel and still not coming out as the champion because AJ Styles was the poster boy for the next WWE video game. I think you got to save face. Shinsuke wins the belt. Stevie G? Um, I'm going Jeff Hardy. Um, I'm really not into Shinsuke Nakamura lately, so my pick is Jeff Hardy. I've always been a fan, and I always will be. Okay, um, let me throw this out there. Do you think it's possible that this is not the first U.S. championship match between the two? I could... I could see there's no stipulation on this match. I could see it ending in a schmaz and they're having a rematch at SummerSlam. I can see that too, them turning it into a series. They didn't get a chance to build that feud up since uh, local police dog decided to take a bite out of Shinsuke wanting some of that Japanese meat. <laughs> That's true. All right. Five rise. <laughs> All right. Next match Braun Strowman. Kevin Owens in a steel cage match. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Braun on this one. I, I don't really see much of this going past this feud going past Extreme Rules. So they're not gonna damage Braun's character 
by making them lose here, I'm going to go with Braun. No, they're not going to damage Braun's character. Instead, they're going to damage Kevin Owens yet again. I would love to see Kevin Owens win this match. I would be ecstatic if Kevin Owens won this match. Braun Braun is the guy that they're trying to push here, so I agree with you. Braun's going to win this this steel cage match, and I'm sorry to KO that he can't seem to get better than this. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would love to see Kevin Owens win, and that would normally be my pick, but not against Braun Strowman. They're not going to let him lay down to Kevin Owens, so let's be real. Braun Strowman's winning that fight. Whoop-a-dee-doo. All right, next one we've got Carmella versus Asuka with James Ellsworth in a shark's cage above the ring. Retarded. Which is horrible. Unnecessary. I feel like like this is Enzo Amore in a shark's cage all over again. I'm going to give it to... I'm going to say Asuka on this one. Carmella's had her run with the belt. Asuka didn't get it at Mania. This is a way to put it on her now. Let her go into SummerSlam and get a fresh feud. I'm going Asuka. I have a feeling Anthony's about to say Asuka. And as far as your little uh, poll thing that you guys do, um, you know, for the championship of predictions and all that, I'm going to go against what I think other people may choose. Not saying Anthony's definitely going to choose him because he hasn't spoken yet, but I'm going to go Carmella with this. I'm going to go Carmella. I don't think Asuka should get it yet or get this one. Let Carmella rock for a little bit because she'll probably be fired shortly after. I'm actually, I agree with you. I don't think Asuka's winning it on Sunday. I think the whole thing with James Ellsworth being in the cage just makes it too damn obvious in the average fan's mind that it's the Dax decked against Carmella. She's definitely going to lose, blah, 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 blah. I could see something like Ellsworth maybe tossing down brass knucks from a shark shark cage to Carmella because we haven't seen that before when they've done this sort of thing. I think some way Ellsworth will still get involved, even hanging from the cage, and Carmella will get the win. And then maybe at SummerSlam, maybe it'll be the two-on-one versus situation. Uh, maybe a steel cage or something. I don't know, but I could see the blow-off happening at SummerSlam. So, yes, I agree. Carmella retaining the belt on Sunday. All right. Now we've got a throwaway match right here, which should be on the pre-show, but it's not. The, the leaders of Worlds. Hardy and Wyatt versus the B-team, Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. I personally do not give a F. I don't either. On who wins this match. I, I don't either. I'm going to say it's going to be Hardy and Wyatt. And that's, this that's could be a quick talk. I'm going Hardy and Wyatt, too, and I don't give a shit about this match. <laughs> we should really watch it, guys. We could probably get pretty shit-faced this weekend. <laughs> we probably could. Psychopedia? I'm going to agree with both of you, Hardy and Wyatt, for the win. I, while the B-team has had their moments of brilliance in this feud, if you could call it that, and they have been entertaining, there are much bigger tag teams that would probably be more likely to take out the Deleter Worlds. Uh, somebody said the Revival. Um, that's great. Would love to see it. The Revival is not over. I think Authors of Pain will be the ones that will defeat the Deleter Worlds probably at SummerSlam. Hardy and Wyatt, the the Delito Worlds, retaining on Sunday. All right, now we've got Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax. I'm going to say Alexa Bliss on this one because of the feud with Rousey, which is going to lead to a SummerSlam match, which most likely put the belt on Ronda Rousey. So I'm going to say Alexa Bliss retains. My boo better retain the belt. 
Nia Jax doesn't stand a chance and needs to go to Alexa Bliss because Alexa Bliss is one hot piece of ass and I love watching her fight. Um, aside from that, though, realistically, it's going to be better to see Ronda and Alexa Bliss than Nia Jax versus Ronda Rousey again. So I'm looking forward to that. Nia Jax, you don't stand a chance. Sorry, boo. I just want to say I feel like you're missing something this week. You're missing a cutout of some sorts. I am missing a cutout because my brother, the encyclopedia, decided to send a text of a nice five foot four cutout of a woman that I adore and being that I have my own room now being my current situation, I was looking forward to having her in that room standing there staring at me as I sleep at night or watch TV or whatever. And then when he comes back, I said, hey, did you get me that amazing gift that would definitely put you on the top charts of best gifts ever? Did you get that for me? And he said, no, but I know you collect shot glasses. And I got you a shot glass, which I appreciate because I do collect shot glasses. But, hey, Alexa Bliss cardboard cutout, that would have been nice. There may have been some holes poked in it. I don't know. But, yeah, it would have been really nice to have. Well, at least you brought up the holes poked in it because that was actually one of my concerns with even buying the damn thing for you. Uh, Too bad we don't have a visual aspect here because I would love to show you guys the conversation that went on about this stupid damn cutout. Um so if any of you are in Las Vegas and you go to the Las Vegas Fight Shop, Stevie G would love the Alexa Bliss cutout, thirty nine ninety nine. There you go. Thirty nine bucks. I thought it's like thirty five. So who do you got? Who do you got on this one? It's like can't put a price on love. No, you can't. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna feel the bliss. I'm gonna say Alexa as well. Uh, what I'm curious to see is how this ends, and I think he's that's talking gonna... about poking holes, and he just said he's gonna feel the bliss. What the fuck? Get <laughs> off my girl. <laughs> I got nothing against Alexa Bliss. I like the girl. I think some of the storylines they've given her are crap, and I don't think in the ring she's as good as some of the others. But as a character, she's way better and been pushed way more than some of the others. Uh, maybe sometimes too much, but that's okay because uh, it works for her. I think the most intriguing thing about this match is not necessarily who's going to win because we all know it's going to probably be Alexa Bliss uh, leading into the match with Rousey. It's going to be how Ronda gets involved in the match and how... Bliss gets the win. Uh, is Ronda going to accidentally go for Bliss and nail Jax with a weapon? Something along those lines. Uh, there's a lot to see. I think I think right now what they should do, and this is nice and simple and keeps the heat going, you have security standing between Ronda and the ringside area. Let Alexa get that clean win. It's an extreme rules match, so you could make the excuse that she beat the big girl using the weapons. That's totally fine. Nia saves face because it wasn't clean. Alexa saves face because she did it without the help of anyone else. If Mickey James gets involved to help Nia win the match, or Rousey somehow inadvertently costs Nia the match, I think, I think that hurts Alexa, and I think you really need to make her look strong for that upcoming match with Rousey. I agree. I just want to throw it out there—a little piece of WWE news. My girl Caitlyn. Yes. 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 Is back. So I just want to throw that Back out there. in the May Young Classic, and I cannot I'm very wait. pumped for that. Very excited. So next match, another basically throwaway match. Roman Reigns, Bobby Lashley. I'm going Roman Reigns here, guys. No no shocker on that one. I'm going Roman Reigns as well. Um, Bobby Lashley, he could go kick rocks. So you guys think that it's going to be Roman versus Brock again at SummerSlam? Correct. Yep. Either that or I'd love to see Seth versus Brock and Seth go over, but I, I, I know I, I don't get what I want. So. I think it's going to be Brock and Roman 
And then you're going to have Braun cash in and walk out SummerSlam as the champ. Okay. Um, that's my prediction. That, and that's fine. I, I'm i not sure I want to say Roman wins this one. I could see them going with Bobby Lashley um, just to be different. That being said, I don't think Lashley should be that main eventer either. It could very well be to get to the Seth Brock match. Maybe this match gets thrown out. So I'm going to go with it going to uh, a draw of some sort, whether it be a double DQ or something along those lines. I don't think we're going to see a winner in this one. I'm going to I'm going to say draw. Okay. So next one on the card is, well, the Bludgeon Brothers and Team Hell No. Yes! So yes! Smackdown yes! Title. Yep, I'm going to agree with you on that. Team Hell No, there's no reason you bring them back together if you're not going to give them the belts. It doesn't make sense. You ruin a moment that you could have had later on down the line when you would have them make a run, which I feel like that's what they're trying to do now. So I'm, I'm going to say Team Hell No. Cyclopedia? I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to agree with you there. Uh, while I don't see where the, the point of having them come back together now is where that's going to go with uh, Glenn Jacobs, a.k.a. Kane, having his Knox County mayor run coming up soon. It, if they do win the belts, it might not be for that long. Right. But the Bludgeons didn't. The Bludgeons could use the rub of a win on this match, and that's my only concern with Team Hell No coming out on top at the end of SmackDown this week in that 10 man tag with the New Day. Mm-hmm. I. The, there is a formula that some believe that the whoever wins on the last show uh, at the end of the last show before pay-per-view is usually the loser on the pay-per-view, so I'm hoping that's not the case here. Um, I just don't see a good reason to keep the belts on the bludgeons right now. I think Team Hell No could get more with those belts and defending against other teams than the bludgeons can right now. So, yes, I'll agree with you, Team Hell No. I think it also allows them to prolong the inevitable Daniel Bryan mismatch. I know there's the rumors that Daniel Bryan has not re-signed and that his contract will be up at the beginning of September, but he's already being advertised for house shows going into December already. I believe the big MSG day after Christmas show he's already been advertised for. I don't see them doing that this far in advance if his contract was up because those tickets, I think the pre-sale just happened. So I'm going to say that they are taking the belts, and this is just a way to keep Daniel Bryan and the Miz away from each other for a bit. Or maybe Miz gets a tag team partner, and it be Miz and a tag team partner against Team Hell No for the belts at SummerSlam. Uh, Maybe Miz finally gets his win over Daniel Bryan, which could lead into that WrestleMania match we want to see. That's a possibility. I can see that. Steven G? Team Hell No. Let me just... I will say... Did you see that hideous shirt that Daniel Bryan's wearing for Team Hell No? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty bad. No, because I didn't watch SmackDown. It's it's a pretty bad shirt. It, it's literally a cane mask with arms pointing up in the yes right from underneath the mask. It looks ridiculous. Well, they won't sell that one. No, I'm not buying that one, that's for sure. All right, so the main event, the final match, AJ Styles, Rusev. Okay, so it's going to go to AJ Styles just because, um, you know, everyone's heard already that he got the cover of the video game and they're going to keep the belt on him until the video game comes out most likely. So 
I'm going to have to go AJ Styles as much as I don't want to because I would much rather see Rusev get the belt. Um, I'm Rusev Day 110%, but I have to go with, you know, what I know is going to happen, I guess, since we're in this whole sweepstakes thing we're doing here. So AJ Styles, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Stevie G. I'm going to go AJ Styles as much as I'd like to choose Rusev um, with our little competition. I'm going stop. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, the time to put the belt on Rusev would have been last year when Jinder ended up getting over and got the belt instead. As much as I've been enjoying the fact that Rusev is finally getting some respect and getting the push, I agree with both of you. I don't see a title change happening. Um, I'm actually starting to wonder if AJ is going to be holding this belt um, possibly longer than even Brock. I don't think they'll go that far. Um Let's be honest, both are Universal and Heavyweight Champions. They've held the belts probably, definitely at the Universal level way too long. I could feel like the World Heavyweight, uh, AJ as champion, I think that reign needs to come to an end. Uh, Maybe it will be the Miz at SummerSlam, but it's not going to be this Sunday. So with that being said, that is the Extreme Rules card. Uh, Unless you guys have something else you want to throw in. Nope. I'm good. I want to say thank you to everybody for listening this week. We will have another episode coming out next week to kind of recap this pay-per-view. We also have another UFC episode coming out this week as well, so stay tuned for that. That'll be be a different perspective. Um, While we will be talking about UFC 226, I'm going to talk about my experience and what it was like to do International Fight Week, try to give you some tips on what you should do if you go next year. Um, it had enough fun that I'd consider making this a yearly track. So check it out. Stay tuned for that. Follow the boys on Instagram, Stevie G. 1218. 1218. Jufer316. And follow the Sports Frenzy podcast on Facebook, on Instagram, YouTube. We're going to have some new content coming up there soon. So stay tuned, guys. Thanks for listening. Peace out.